Welcome back to another Vital MX podcast. This is Dark Side, and this time I've got from Star Racing Yamaha 450 team manager, Jeremy Coker. What's going on, Jeremy? Oh, not much. How are you guys? Doing good. G- glad to talk to you. This is the first time you've been on the show. Yes, it is. That's, my, that's on me, man. I just, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you, man. Look, in the, in the last two years of the 450 team, the first two years of the 450 team, two Pro Motocross Championships, a Supercross title, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. I think uh, it's a little more than, uh, you know, obviously we set our goals out to that for that to happen, but our expectations, I would say it's a little more than our expectations. And uh, it just sets the bar a lot higher for us in the future. That's true. That's true. It's a, it's a long way from the top. It's a lot longer way to fall, but I, I don't think you guys are going to have that problem anytime soon. Yeah. Luckily we, <laughs> you know, surround ourselves with, a, with good riders that make my job a lot easier and a good team and crew members behind me. So that, that definitely helps the scenario. Absolutely. I, I want to talk to you first. Let's start with Eli Tomac, bringing him over that you had a big involvement in that, I believe in, with his new, he has somewhat of a new attitude. Seems like a different guy. Uh, his determination is no different than it ever was. Just kind of talk about that process of getting Eli over at Star. What it took, you know, how you how you schmoozed him. Yeah, I think you know I've I've talked about it quite a bit. And mm-hmm. A lot of it was that you know Eli was at a point in his career where he was kind of getting flat, kind of stale, uh, a little bit not enjoying the sport anymore, which you could see in some things. And I knew there was still the fire in him. You know, he, when he wants to win, he can win. And that's what he showed even at the, at the end of his, his last team. And so that's kind of what had me going that, look, Eli still wants it. Eli still can win. What can I do to help him? And what can we do as a team to help him get back to what made him the powerhouse that he used to be? And I think that was the biggest thing that we could do as we came in there and we said, look, you know, Eli, let's get, uh, let's get you to enjoy this sport again. Let's get you to have fun and uh get your get you back to your grassroots you know i mean we brought john tomac way on board in the team you know he has a headset at every race is able to communicate with us get get them back in this as a family like they used to be in the amateur days and when they first came into the pros and what made eli tomac so strong in his career and that's what we as a team went out to do and i think you know that was bring people in into his circle that he enjoys in his circle and, and makes the sport fun with his chassis guy, his dad, him, his practice bike mechanic, letting him have a little bit of control over his program. And, and I think we succeeded with that. Yeah, that's definitely something he's mentioned numerous times. So you guys definitely did a good job with that. Eli's always kind of been a guy that likes to keep his training to himself, doesn't really like to show what he has, but he'll come to Florida once in a while, you know, I think he was there last week. Uh, then he went to California, if I'm not mistaken. Do you, do you try to get him out there more uh, over to California more so he can ride with the guys? Do you see a difference in what he's doing, how he's riding when he's around the other guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously his program's a solid program. There's nothing wrong with his program. He's proved that with multiple championships, Yeah, but I think it's no secret that, you know, in the past, Eli Tomac, uh, is stronger towards the middle to the end of the season and not so strong at the beginning of the season. And I think that's because it takes him a while to get the train moving and get going, you know, get, get back to used to riding next to people in rhythm lanes, riding with people off starting gate. When you train by yourself all the time, it's hard to, to remember how to do that. So, and I think he would agree with me that uh, us having him come here at the beginning of last year and having him now come here at the beginning of this year gets him back into that rhythm a lot faster 
So when we go to Anaheim, it's not so bitch of a surprise when you're jumping a rhythm lane, you know, next to two guys or coming into a corner with five or six guys. And that's one, I think one downfall to training by yourself is that, but if we can get him going at an earlier time with more people than, you know, mid to end season, when he's back training by himself, it's not a big deal because we're racing this whole time. And not only that, I think this year, we're even in a better position than we were because Eli really hasn't stopped racing. Um, you know, we race supercross, we race motocross, we race motocross nations. He went to Wales, he went to Paris and now we're bam, right back in Anaheim. So I think this year you're going to see even a stronger Eli Tomek than you've ever seen because we really haven't stopped. Yeah. He mentioned all those things. I, I talked to him last week and he mentioned all those. And I think he definitely seems like he's in a good place. And, and especially with what he said about the bike, which I want to get to in a moment. But I want to talk about his teammate, Dylan Ferrandez, won the championship outdoors before Eli came over. Very capable guy. Uh, I expect more out of him in Supercross this year. So in my mind, they're, they're, they're major competitors. It's not like it's a second-level guy. They're Outdoors, I feel like they're equal. Indoors, I think Dylan has the potential to be right up there. How is their relationship? How do you manage that? Uh, both those guys are kind of interesting on a personal level just the way how intense they are yeah for sure i mean obviously i'm around dylan every day you know day in and day out me and him have a really good relationship over the multiple years we've been working together and uh you know when we were talking about hiring eli and then when we did hire eli and that year in motocross at the end of the year dylan and eli were battling for wins each moto i literally would tell you know that the, the team within that knew that the deal was done like I don't know if I'm gonna be able to handle this next year come <laughs> motocross. Like yeah. this is gonna be a, a lot on my heart and, and my brain. Um, so it's having two top level championship contenders is, is a big deal. You know, you usually, like you said, you usually have a championship contender and a second tier rider. Well, I think we truly have two championship contender riders, and I think that's indoors and outdoors. Yeah, last year it didn't show with Dylan indoors. He wasn't that comfortable supercross on that on that bike, but it's a whole different Dylan Ferrandis now this year coming up. He loves the new motorcycle. He's absolutely railing the supercross track. So I think you're going to have two championship contenders, supercross and hopefully two championship contenders outdoors. If we can get Eli to, to race outdoors. So I think, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, uh, a, sh a strain on me for sure to <laughs> how to manage it, but I think we'll be able to handle, you know, we've, we've been used to it on the 250 side. Right. with multiple championship contenders it's a whole different ball game yes of course in the 450 but it, it's just you know it's the same thing we go out we go out and set our set our goals to win no matter who wins as long as you know star racing is doing the best and both my riders are giving 100 percent. that's all i care about yeah you probably don't know this but i was in studio for a pulp mix show before supercross 22 and i called dylan to win the championship because i'm a fan of his I just saw how much he wanted it outdoors, and I and he I knew he wanted it just as bad indoors. I thought, man, he's so determined. And obviously, it didn't work out that way. But I'm very high on Dylan Ferrandez, so I I'm not calling him for the championship quite yet. But he did tell me how much better he feels on that 23, kind of like Eli did. So again, I'm going to get to the bike in just a minute. But I want to talk just quickly. Their contracts both got renewed recently through 23. I heard just talking to Kyle Chisholm who helped develop the 23 that it was sort of up in the air until, you know, whether Eli liked the 23 or not, kind of like if, Hey, I don't like the bike. I may not resign. Is there any truth to that that you can speak of? I mean, of course, you know, when you, and I tell people this all the time, when, when you win 
everything there is to win on your current motorcycle, supercross, motocross, motocross, the nation, a world supercross round. Why in your brain, why would you want to keep going? Look, I just want everything there is to win. And now you guys are going to present me with a new motorcycle. I love this old motorcycle. I just want everything there is to win. There's no possible way you guys can build a better motorcycle than what I just raced. So when I look at it from his standpoint, I understand, you know what? It's a big risk. I know I can do it on this motorcycle. I don't know much about this motorcycle. Before I re-sign, I need to ride that motorcycle. So yes, absolutely. That There is truth behind that. And and we did everything we could to get a, to get a new bike over here. And Kyle had a lot to do with getting it ready for Eli. And Eli jumped on it. And within two laps, he pulled in. And uh, he literally sent me a text message. He said, let's go win a, a championship again. <laughs> That's, so yeah. Uh, that that was that was pretty comforting. That's interesting because again, I just talked to Chiz Friday night. I think with you know, of course, he's at Hep now. Suzuki, one of your biggest competitors, Ken Roxon signed, and it sounds like Ken basically had the same reaction to the Suzuki. Uh, Kyle told me that he was already developing the bike. He rides with Ken all the time. He knows what Ken likes. Ken came over, rode the bike, called him, and said, "This thing's amazing." I actually may change my plans now. Like basically he wasn't, he didn't think he was going to sign with Suzuki until he rode the bike. First of all, Kyle must be really good at what he's doing uh, with developing. And second of all, does that put any uh, concern into you that Kenny was that happy with the Suzuki? Yeah, I think uh, of course, you know, Ken Roxon's amazing rider. I mean, we obviously saw, we had a, we had our hands full in Paris with him Sure, when he was a happy camper on a motorcycle. So I think if you put Ken Roxon in, I think it's very similar to Eli. If you put, Ken Roxon in a happy environment, just like you do with Eli Tomac. Yeah, they're, they're both going to be just as dangerous. So I think, yeah, of course, it's a he, he's a very strong competitor. And do I look at him like a threat? Of course, I look, you know, there's multiple threats. And I think this 450 class is such a tough class that um, there's, you know, a handful of, of guys that I look at like, you know, can we beat them? Right. Um, so I think if you put him in a, in a happy home, I guess you can say, uh, yeah, of course, he's a, he's a pretty good threat. And the positive on your side of that is, again, talking to Eli, love the 22. Said it was so great. Then he tells me the 23 is better in a lot of places. It, it turns better. It feels more stable. And I'm like, okay, if you were as good as you were on the 22, how much better are you going to be on the 23? And he says, oh, it has the potential to be really good. So you have to be really excited. Again, also with Dylan riding so much better, like this, this could be an amazing 450 year. Yeah, it's going to be really good. You know, we had a really solid two weeks of testing and training out here in Florida with Eli and Dylan. And um, I know Eli was able to go home and, and set some new uh, Valley records or whatever he may call his track. You know, he, he set track records there. Oh, boy. So um, I think, yeah, I think they're both going to be a, a very strong threat. They're both beyond happy with the new motorcycle. And like you said, Eli's very happy with certain things that it does better than the 22, which is is dangerous. Yeah. I yes. think it's definitely dangerous for the rest of the field. Okay. I have a technical question here. Hopefully this is not one of those questions that's going to get me banned from the tent. This is a Michael Lindsay <laughs> question. He, he texted me a little while ago and I said, is this going to get me in trouble? He did not respond. And what he wants to know is why is Eli using the X trig clamps and not the necking clamps like the rest of the guys? If there's a reason. No, I think it's just a personal preference. You know, obviously that the, the neck in or a little more uh rigid than the x trig and, and eli f prefers a little less rigid triple clamp so it's just something he's feeling that he likes better 
then yeah it's a personal preference and i think that's one thing we've made clear in the past of you know in the past questions of why eli chose to come with us and obviously you know we have no restrictions and whatever the rider prefers and chooses it's the best for our performance and that's what we're going to put on our motorcycle that's fantastic I, I love that about yeah you know jason anderson talked about have you know he's now at kawasaki and yeah they're a little stricter over there that's stuff that eli he kind of confirmed everything eli confirmed and it seems like you guys are doing it in a way that's definitely more uh, rider friendly, I think. Yeah, I think that's one thing, you know, you can't, one thing is not going to work for every rider. And that's one thing we've learned, you know, obviously within a, within a parameter, we're not going to yeah. just leave open reins to just do whatever you want. You know, if we think, if we see it not go good, or if we think it's not going to go, we're obviously going to pull the reins back. But if we, if we don't see a negative in it, then of course we're going to do what we can to support our riders. Yeah, I think that's even going back to Kenny. He told me in Paris, like the the Yareve Honda that he was racing over there, he was so much better. And I I asked him, well, why? What's different? He's well, hey, at factory Honda, there was things that I know I needed that I know would be better, and they just would not allow it. You know, and heard the same thing out of Eli. And again, it seems like you guys are doing it the right way. So that's really cool. Um, let's talk about Justin Cooper. There are four races as of now on the four fifty. I know he's sort of the, the big hope for the 250 championship, so it's a little risky letting him ride a 450, uh, but why was that decision made, and how do you feel about it? Yeah, of course. You know, Obviously, our, our big goal for him is to go win this 250 motocross championship, and that's his big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, once again, like I just said earlier, with with racing, you know, if we take this whole winter off from him racing and gate drops and just try to go race this summer, he's going to be behind the eight ball no matter how much he trains. So gate drops are so important that obviously he can't race 250 supercross. That's no secret. So what can he do to race? And that's, we might as well put him on a 450. And also if we have him training this off season on a 450 ready to go, you know, God forbid something, this is a dangerous sport. If something happened to one of the 450 riders, he's ready to, to jump in there. And I think that's one big thing that um, we have the advantage of with as many riders as we have. And in the position that he's in where he can't race 250 supercross, is to go ahead and have him train on this 450 Supercross, see what he can do, gain some experience, because, of course, in the future, he's going to need a 450 ride. So if, if he's if he's riding good, racing good, it's only good. It's it's only positive for both of us. It's positive mm-hmm. for him to gain experience. It's positive for us to see if he's got it, for us to sign him on our 450 team. So I think uh, it's only positive for both of us, and that's kind of why we decided that Let's go ahead and have him train, get ready for 450 Supercross, and if when he's ready to go, we'll throw him in some races. Okay. Do you have much uh, talk, much interaction with the 250 team? Yeah, a lot. Okay. Um, obviously, you know we're in the same building, yeah. so um, I deal a lot with them. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about those guys a little bit. Some new riders, Jordan Smith and Styles coming over, and of course Nate Thrasher, Levi Kitchen, Romano coming back. Uh, it. Who's who do you feel like is the guy right now that's the top level of those two fifty guys? Is there anybody that's just standing out? Yeah, I think currently we have three guys that can uh could win any time. I think Jordan, Levi, and Nate are are the three big threats for this coming year. I think Levi's really sprung to the front in these last few weeks. He's been tremendous riding and hopefully he can keep it going. And Jordan, I think with his experience and once again he's in a happy home now, he's in a good training program, a good motorcycle. I think he's back to the year where he almost won his championship, and I think he's possibly, I, I would say, personally, even better. Um, I think if he stays on the straight and narrow path, I think this is his year to win. Well, 
Wow. See, that's something I've been excited about for the last couple of years because I, I think people forget there was two years there where he was within a few points of winning a championship yep. and, and some things happened and it just didn't go his way. And then it was injury, 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 injury. And he 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 needs to do well. This may be his last opportunity at that high level of team. So I think he's going to step it up. I really believe he's got potential, like you just said, to be a winner. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, you know, the funny part is I when you text me about coming on the show, I was actually at, he puts on a weekly cornhole tournament. Oh, um, okay. It just got, you know, it just got moved to the new local pizza joint. So this was the first time at the local pizza joint that we had a, a, his cornhole tournament. There's 40 people there at the cornhole tournament. So I think the biggest thing right now is, once again, this goes back to what I've been kind of hitting on the head here. He's at home. And when I say that, he's literally at home. He lives here in Cairo. His team is now in Cairo, um, where before, you know, he lived in Cairo and trained in Cairo and his team was in California. So everything he needs is now here. He has to, he's never separated from his family. He gets to do the things he loves. He gets to run his cornhole tournament. So I think he's in a better place than he's ever been before. Beautiful. Uh, last question. I joked a little while ago about getting banned uh, because my, my boss, Michael Lindsay's, had some. <laughs> Had some had some issues with you guys, or you guys had some issues with him. Uh, how's that relationship? We we is vital okay? Michael Lindsay, we're back under the tent. Everything's good. Oh yeah, I think we're all good. <laughs> I think him coming out here to the farm and yeah. and mixing and mingling with Brad and driving around the farm. I think uh, yeah, I think we're good. I think I think Michael's learned learned what he can and can't. Can't, <laughs> what buttons he can and can't push with uh with us over here we'll see Hopefully. yeah you you scared me at uh millville i was talking to duff and you came out of the truck was like basically hey uh duff you need to do your job <laughs> Tell me yeah that. and that's the biggest thing and i think you know and like you you were good about coming up to me and, I, and there was nothing against you it was yeah all, you know the mechanics got to know their place too hey if they're done and, and they're and they're able to be done with their bike work and they want to chat with you guys chat with you guys all you want but that's one thing i'm very strict on is get your bike work done first. Yeah, it was funny because it was my first job as Vital, and I wasn't even full time technically yet. I hadn't started. I was like, "Oh shit, I'm already, I'm already no, getting the route." No, no, you're all good. <laughs> well, Jeremy, man, it's been great getting you on here. I'd love to get you on again at some point and just talk about your history. I know you have a, a pretty cool story of you know your path to where you're at now. And I, when we have some more time, I'd love to do some a, a long, more longer form with you. Yep. Anytime. Just let me know. We'll do it, man. I'll see you at A1 and it's great talking to you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you.